My Haunted Life Tuesday on Weird Darkness. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. This week, I have six stories to share, all of which come from our friends at MyHauntedLife2.com. We'll hear about a ghostly car in Detroit from an anonymous fan. Another anonymous submitter brings the unsettling personal story of Patient Speaks on Radio While in Surgery. Author G. Michael Vasey tells, Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Of a meeting with God. An anonymous poster submits the tale of a weird call. We also hear stories about a visitor from Vietnam and a Ouija board ghost. So sit back, turn down the lights, and come with me into the weird darkness. Back in 1992, my wife was driving to work near Detroit, Michigan. On an isolated road, in broad daylight, she came upon a car in front of her that was not moving. She slowed down and the car was engulfed in fog and completely disappeared right before her eyes. There was no side road or anywhere it could have gone. It vaporized completely. She cautiously drove through the area where the car had been and went to work. She was so shocked by the event it was several days before she could speak of it to anyone. To this day, she has no idea what went on in Detroit, Michigan. into my college days, as I made my way from the Students' Union building to my student flat on the 19th floor of a campus building, I noticed a rather suspicious-looking character who seemed to be following me around. As I entered one of the elevators in the ground floor of the building, he followed, peering sideways at me but looking away whenever I tried to catch his eye. As the elevator arrived at my door, I was hoping it was all just my imagination and that perhaps he would continue up to the top floor above me. But as I left the elevator, he followed, and as I reached the doorway into the group of six study bedrooms, shared kitchen and bath that was my home on campus, he was still right there, right behind me. 
Do you want something? I asked nervously. Gary, I want to talk to you, he said quietly. How do you know my name? I asked in surprise. Oh, I know a lot about you, he replied, and I must speak with you, now if possible. Reluctantly, I led him into my study bedroom, and he introduced himself as an Indonesian student. He practiced meditation, he said, and he had been asked by his guide to talk to me and help with some challenges that I was facing. I was rather incredulous but convinced. How exactly did he know my name? Anantha and I actually became firm friends from that point forward. He really did know a lot about me for someone I had just met, and that seemed both mysterious and alluring. He tried to help me understand that I was a sensitive, and that this sensitivity meant that I was open to all the flotsam and jetsam of the astral world. He also told me that my uncontrolled reaction, pure fear, was attracting things from that realm that I was probably better off without. He started to teach me some psychic self-defense methods that were useful, but the problem was that the smallest hint of any phenomenon, I became a total wreck, and fear possessed me completely. In order to help me overcome this deep-seated fear, he suggested that it might help if I could share a controlled experience with him. Sitting me down in a comfortable position, he asked me to close my eyes and relax. Peeking out of the corner of my eye, I watched him do likewise. Suddenly, I was with him in a stone tunnel. It seemed to go on for a great distance, and as it did so, it slowly curved around so that you could not see where the tunnel went. What I could see, though, was the brightest light I have ever seen. It filled the tunnel with golden light, but its source was always just around the bend in the tunnel so that it could not actually be seen directly. The light began to fill me with laughter. It made me feel very happy, happier than I had ever felt and happier than anyone has any right to feel. I began to laugh out loud, and as I did, tears of joy sprang from my closed eyes. As I laughed, an odd thing happened. My laughter seemed to become magnified thousands of times and to descend in pitch until I realized that this was not my laughter anymore, but someone or something else's laughter. The laughter permeated throughout my entire being so that everything was laughter and golden light, and I knew then that I was in the presence of God. When I finally came out of the trance that I had found myself in, Anantha was already sitting opposite with me with a smile on his face and a questioning look in his eyes. You see, he is always there for you, he explained. There is no need to be frightened. All you have to do is trust in him. As I discovered on several occasions since then, a wonderful experience like that quickly fades just as the memory of a dream fades. At the time that it happens and shortly afterwards, it feels as if it should surely stay with you forever, but it fades just the same as consciousness returns to normality. And with its fading away, so too the newly found and almost grasped confidence went with it 
and as Anantha left, I was ashamed to feel just as frightened as I had been before. Anantha did help me a lot, though. Through slow perseverance, he got me to a state that I could best describe as the toleration of fear. He was also someone that I could share my thoughts and experiences without fear of reproach or that look of horror as your confidant realizes that you might well be a total freak. Unfortunately, he left the college at the end of my first year, returning to Indonesia, and I never heard from him again. A friend once told me a story about a college professor of his brother's who was a Nam veteran. He explained that in a particular part of that godforsaken country, no man would enter. Well, a few of the soldiers did, and they saw a creature there which to this day they cannot describe. The creature was about ten yards away from the patrol, and in the blink of an eye it was suddenly right in front of them then suddenly standing behind them. After they returned home, this creature showed up at the professor's home in Maryland. It would physically make marks on his body and his wife's body. He contacted an old friend from the war who lived up in Canada, and he said it had visited his family too. Apparently, all but one of the patrol have been visited by this creature. This episode of Weird Darkness is brought to you by the audiobook Caught in the Web, Invisible Spiders, Volume 2, by Jason R. Davis, narrated by Darren Marlar. In the morning, they had hatched and had spread. Now the small town of Hammond is under quarantine, and the inhabitants are fighting to survive. They face something they can't see, and no one, not even the military, has answers. They just know they must escape before it's too late. They must stop themselves from being caught in the web. Caught in the web. Find it on the audiobooks page at WeirdDarkness.com. I was listening to a call-in talk show on the radio while driving in Los Angeles. The announcer came back from a break to speak with his next caller. To my surprise, it was my great-aunt calling in. She would not give the announcer her name but said, For those in your listening audience who know me, they will recognize me by this song, and began to sing an old tune she used to sing to me as a child. I thought I was asleep at the wheel. She went on to say that she was in the hospital having an operation. I haven't told many people and even my family, but they were doing this surgery because they thought I had cancer. They have just found out I don't. The next day, I called my mother to tell her what I had heard on the radio. She quizzed me at length about the actual time I heard my great-aunt say she did not have cancer. My mother had been at the hospital with my aunt, and at the time I heard her sing and then talk on the radio she was still in surgery. At the time of the broadcast, the doctors had not even come out of the operating room 
to tell my mother that my aunt did not have cancer. Ever since that experience, I have believed in the paranormal and the great beyond. My mother's friend's family lived in a house that was in one of the oldest recorded towns in Texas. My friend's mother, who lived there, had seen a ghost of a Civil War soldier appear there several times. He would just appear and stare at her and then disappear. My mom and her friend played with a Ouija board in that house, and my mom said that furniture in the room started shaking it had made a lot of noise and also drawers and some pieces of furniture started coming in and out. That is all she said happened, but she was sure it was provoked by a ghost, since it happened when they were playing with the Ouija board. Just over a week ago, I was lying in bed, relaxing and trying to fall asleep. I had just turned off the TV, and I was about to turn over and try to get some sleep, but my cell phone that I had turned off and put on the charger suddenly started vibrating. I decided to ignore it, but it turned on and started ringing. I didn't recognize the number at all, so I picked it up and said, hello. There was nothing but static on the other end of the phone, and then the call was ended. I tried to call it back, but it said it was out of service. Do you have a dark tale to tell? Fact or fiction? Share your own story at WeirdDarkness.com. We might use it on a future episode. All stories in this episode were submitted anonymously, except for A Meeting with God, which was written by G. Michael Vasey from the book My Haunted Life. You can find links to all of these stories or the authors in this show's description. Stories used on My Haunted Life Tuesdays can be found at MyHauntedLife2.com. The audiobook, Caught in the Web by Jason R. Davis, is on the audiobooks page at WeirdDarkness.com. Music by Shadows Symphony. All content and orchestration in Weird Darkness is used by permission of the authors and composers. Find more episodes, join our Facebook group, and email us directly at WeirdDarkness.com. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Thanks for joining me in the weird darkness.